it was like her favorite movie from the set. Yeah. So, so uh, she's like, did that come in the like the Hollywood classic horror thing? Yeah. 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 So uh, she's like, oh, I really, I really want to find one because, like I said, I guess it was her favorite. So. Creature of the Black Lagoon is on her agenda at the moment. Yeah, I, uh, me and Manny have been plowing through Viva La Bam. We plowed through the first three seasons this week. And uh, I got four and five on the way, so don't worry. We're not going to leave you guys hanging. Sweet. But uh, I, I feel like I've collected like the Infinity Stones. Like, <laughs> I have all five seasons of you, Viva La Bam. You got all the power now, huh? <laughs> but yeah, like, don't be surprised if like we get hardgram tattoos or some shit like that. <laughs> hey, man, it is what it is. Should no, this is what I'm gonna do. Instead of cracking a window, I'm gonna turn on the air. That's what I'll do. Nice. Give me one second. Uh, air, Gabe. Here's here's where I come in and I uh, I pretend to have a real conversation about stuff that I care about, uh, which is really just an excuse for me covering for Jake's dead air. <laughs> Thankfully, he only had to go like three feet outside his door this time, so True. he should be back any second. I look at him; he's putting on the monitors. Oh God. He's here. I am. I am. Yeah, I am, and I do. So, uh, other than that, Gabe, oh, I feel like Aaron Gillespie, you know? Yeah, because you no. got the headphones on? No, because I'm like talking out the side of my face. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Moving along. That man's got two mouth holes. Yeah, he does. Ready? Yeah. Oh. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Second City Kids podcast, episode number 121. 121. Yeah, it's like a mouthful now. Yeah. You know? It's starting to be a bitch. Maybe yeah. I should find a new thing. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> um, but we are back on a. Uh, it was raining a minute ago. What happened? It was drizzly, yeah. Yeah, it was a uh, on a, dri- a drizzly, uh, w- relatively warm day on the south side of Chicago, Illinois. I'm your host, Jacob, and of course, I have Gabe. We are back for another beautiful episode of the Second City Kids podcast. Hey, Gabe. Yeah. How was your week? Good man, we actually went uh, we went hiking yesterday. Nice, like ten fucking miles. Oh, so we were out there for like five hours or so, and mm-hmm. it was fun, man. Lots of uh, canyons, waterfalls, foresty nature trails. Was it a difficult hike or was it relatively easy? Um, most of it was like relatively flatland. If you wore good shoes and you paced yourself, you were fine. There was a couple spots where we kind of went off the trail, and you know. We had to do some army of two shit where one guy gets up and lifts, hoists the other guy up. <laughs> so that was fun. It was a good experience. I got a lot of good photos out of that. Nice. Um, you yeah, just man. Just out you that new camera of yours, huh? Yeah, I actually bought a cool little like tripod slash selfie stick thing. Mm-hmm. It comes with a, mo- uh, with a remote so you could set it up, you know, like 50 feet away. Yeah. And then click the button. It'll take pictures of you and stuff. Oh, cool. So that was like 20 bucks. I was like, damn, dude, that was a steal for, you know, that occasion. Nice. Very, very cool. So, yeah, man, as far as me, it was a normal week. I mean, I'm boring. I'm not nearly as eventful as Gabe. because Gabe <laughs> We should go hiking one day. Yeah, Gabe leaves the house. I, I we should in. play a game of uh, who's significant other bitches first. Oh, that'd be, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We should do that. Take a bet. All right. So, yeah, we are back, and we got a, a fat-ass agenda of a lot of reviews. <laughs> oh, man, I feel like. Last week, we were like, yeah, let's do all this shit. Yeah. And then today, like, we pulled it up before the show. We're like, oh, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of reviews mainly being reviews. But the first review we got is Freddy versus Jason. And uh, 
So uh, they tossed this movie up on Netflix about a month ago. Finally got around to rewatching it. Hmm. I don't know, man. How many times do you think you've seen this movie? A handful? Yeah, probably about five, six times yeah, in my whole entire life. I saw it in theaters. I oh, did you really? I know that, yeah. I did not see that in theaters. Oh, yeah. I, it was always on the sci-fi channel when I was growing up. I feel like it was on every like Sunday morning or some shit. Really? For, for a while there, yeah. It, was, it felt like they'd screen it once or twice a month. I feel like it was on uh, the AMC Fright Fest for a long time, but I don't know. Has AMC fall off the wayside with that? Because I know it was like something we look forward to, but it's now not it's not as big as anymore. Yeah. I'm sure they still do it in some capacity. It's just, I'm sure it's like Monster House and, oh, come, you know, come show these kids these fun cartoony classics and maybe here's a movie or two for you. Yeah, I wonder why. I mean, probably because they lost a lot of the rights, I'm sure. It probably has a lot to do with I it. I think this would be like the ideal year to rescreen the Halloweens back to back. Yeah. That'd be, what is that, like four hours, four and a half maybe? For all the Halloweens? No, for Halloween one and two, for oh. for one in twenty eighteen. Oh yeah, that yeah. That I mean, those be... are the only two you need to see at this point, really. Yeah, they're the only ones that are canon. We... So I mean, you know, everybody has their favorite, and I'm sure, like two was pretty good. Yeah, two was fine. We yeah. we did our reviews and all that stuff, but yeah. really, meat and bones. Halloween and Halloween twenty eighteen. Well now, well yes and no. I'm not gonna all get into right. that. <laughs> Hang on, let, let's dive into Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. So. When I rewatched this movie, the thing that stood out to me the most was how 2005 this movie is. Yeah. With the big explosions, the way the camera is framed, the whole rave scene in the cornfield. Chicks with big tits. Chicks with big tits and no butts, which was the thing back then. Yeah. Girls with like a size one waist and all this weird, crazy stuff, right? Yeah. And all the terrible fucking fashion choices and hair. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I think it is a like a like a little time capsule of fun, you know? Yeah. Like all, I think all, they put all these horrible tropes in there for a reason. Yeah. But let's talk about the uh, the premise of this movie. So for those of you who have not seen Freddy vs. Jason, this is actually a pretty solid premise. I think I, I like this a lot. It's, it's not too bad. It, it yeah. makes sense, right? So it's been a couple of years since the whole Freddy Nightmare on Elm Street thing. And the kids are starting to forget about him. And so the way Freddy works is that if people are afraid of him, he grows and grows more in power, right? Yeah. But we've come to a point where it now it's kind of this modern era. We're like X amount of years away from the 80s, right? And people forget about him. You know, time goes on. Things happen. And he's become sort of a weak demon in the afterlife. So what he does to bring back his power is he poses as Jason's mom and awakens him from his grave. Yeah. So Jason goes back to Elm Street and starts slashing kids up. And then all the adults are freaking out because they're like, holy shit, Freddy's back, Freddy's back. And then kids start looking into it. And then, you know, the legend of Freddy Krueger gets back out there and Freddy grows in power. Yeah. And I think first and foremost for that premise to be kind of as tight as that is, because like I said, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, it's prevalent throughout the movie and it's contingent with both storylines. I think it's wonderful. Well, the only issue with it that I think I have and I think a decent portion of people have is the geological Gap, yeah, because I think Elm Street's supposed to, or that Springwood. Well, they're both in Illinois, I believe, right? No, Springwood is supposed to be in Missouri, I believe. Okay, and Jason Crystal is, Lake. Fr is from New Jersey. Is that yes? I thought Crystal Lake was Illinois. Oh no, hang on, we do have a Crystal we Lake. have a Crystal Lake. It's Wrong Crystal not, Lake. It's just not ours. Yeah, so it's supposed to be in New Jersey. But other than that, like they didn't really explain how Jason got to New Jersey. <laughs> Or how he, he got took to a bus. How he got to Missouri. Jason Seven. I think I guess, from New York. I I could be wrong. Um, but I'm pretty sure Elmwood is or is or whatever Springwood's supposed to be in uh Missouri. I think. I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure that <laughs> it is. But um yeah, as far as the, the geological, that's like the only real issue with the plot. Because like you said, oddly tight for a movie of for a, this for a monster fight movie at its court, really. Yeah, definitely. Uh we give him credit for that. Now this is where it starts to get a little uh a little hazy. A little hazy because 
they try to retroactively give us a um, a plot with like, oh, this group of teenagers, her boyfriend disappeared, but he disappeared because he was put in a van and was like, he, trying he to, was tossed in the mental hospital yeah. by the girl's father. Yeah, was trying to be quarantined. Was trying to quarantine. Um, you know, uh, the, the the thought of Freddie. The thought of Freddie. Yeah, and they try to make you care about that. It's really hard. But I don't give a fuck. <laughs> that's a that's a bit. I, I don't think caring matters. Yeah, I, I do think that the story, in its own little subplot, makes sense though. Yeah, yeah, I I, I give it that. Um, I, I don't honestly going into this movie, I don't think you should really care about anybody aside from whichever team you're rooting for, whether that be Freddie or Jason. You know, in this particular film, yeah. But at the same time, it's still at the root of it a horror movie, and you should kind of care about the victims, kinda. To a certain extent. There should be at least two or three that you care about, and you don't. <laughs> you I don't call have... this more of an action movie, really. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that front. But like I said, these characters you know, are rooted in the horror thing, so you can't really avoid it. Yeah, absolutely. You know? um, I like how they had not Jason Mewes in the <laughs> as uh, Jay from Jay and Silent Bob in there. There was no Silent Bob. Kind of disappointed in that. But yeah, the, a very obvious, not supposed to be Jason Mewes, Jason Mewes. Uh, caricature, caricature of him. Um, I thought that was kind of funny. As far as um, the action, the, oh my god, it's so good! Like, there's just. Do you some, have a favorite kill from the movie? Favorite kill? I like the. Speaking of which, I I like night not Jason Mewes get written ripped in half. That and was you good. Kind of, you kind of see his body fall up, fall apart. I like the mattress compression. That's a good one. The very first one. Yeah, that's a good one. That one, and I like. Um, I can't remember her name. The the black woman towards the end where. Jason whips the machete and she gets like stuck to the tree or whatever. Oh, uh, Kelly Rollins. Yeah, if, she's if from, I remember that correctly. She is from Destiny's Child. Oh, I bet you. Didn't Excuse know me. I, I'm so yeah. bad with putting like show some reverence. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think there was a lot of good in these two movies and you definitely saw that the directors and writers had some fun yeah. with this film because, you know, there may be serious action and some serious gore here and there. But I think at the heart of it, it's a very lighthearted film. Yeah. Um, another thing I really enjoyed was kind of the way they defeated these monsters. So Jason is afraid of water. Freddie. Well, defe- Jason has been defeated by water. Freddie has been defeated by fire. Kind yeah. of like a op- polar opposites here. Yeah. And so the way they quote unquote defeat them is throw them on a dock, set the dock on fire. Yeah. So one burns alive and the other drowns. Yeah. I thought that was a really nice kind of like intuitive thing because, you know, you could have very easily like copped out with the ending. But well, they kind of did. Yes. and No. Yeah. Um, but I, I do appreciate that. Like, you know, they utilize each monster's weakness. Yeah. To the fullest of their abilities and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I like the, the choice of when Jason was on the screen, it was a very blue very blue shot and obviously when freddie was on the screen it was very fiery red when the boiler rooms yeah. and even on the dock scenes he he caught a lot of that yeah uh so i like that choice because it's like it became kind of became like you said a battle of the elements at that point which is kind of cool um but like i said the te- group of teenagers you don't give a fuck about at all um yeah and like i said trying to give you the backstory with, with her mom like was she killed by freddie was she not killed by freddie was she killed by the father that whole thing was a little weird a little wonky but anything that's not focusing on the the the, the people the immediate conflict yeah that that was like but as far as like the monsters going head to head it was totally dope yeah has, especially that fight scene with the cabin on fire was like yeah that was fucking cool that was good that whole uh i like how they went looking for the uh that prescription drug that prevented you from dreaming yeah. and all that stuff i thought that was fun yeah uh, the whole asylum part, I thought was interesting enough. Yeah, you know, kind of grabbed it was your kind attention. Of a, I'll give them credit because it was kind of a clever way to be like, well, why, why did they stop dreaming? Why, why are the only two people that still remember Freddy? Yeah, well, because they're on this drug and they yeah. don't, they don't dream. Uh, like, I think they gave it more thought than they absolutely had to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's we've seen this time and time again, especially with the Godzilla franchise and a lot of these monster movies that. Um, 
sometimes they don't come out right and it's just the monster fight and there's nothing wrong with that yeah. because who doesn't want to see two monsters beating the shit out of each other on screen right yes but this i feel like is one of the better examples of kind of both properties being taken care of like i said this isn't a perfect movie by any means but in my opinion it's definitely the best of the jason films yep it's definitely top I, three probably I, yeah i was just about to say top three of the freddy films i'd yeah. probably even put it like number two man yeah. i'd go After og nightmare one. on elm yeah. street and then like freddy versus jason i'd agree with that yeah. even though uh, you know it has horror elements, but at its core, it's not really a horror movie. It's an action movie with horror elements, yeah. right? Kind of like how the later uh, Evil Dead were. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, and, um, I'd agree with that, yeah. And so the ending, the whole, uh, you know, Jason's still alive. He's dragging Freddy's head to the to the shrine of his mother, and then Freddy's head winks. I think that was a fun little nod to, oh, here's maybe a sequel down the line, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it didn't leave us on a crazy-ass cliffhanger. It was yeah. just a kind of fun little, like, hey, hey, we got something here, buddy. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, rumor, we covered this, what, maybe a month ago, that the rumors state that there's Freddy Jason versus Ash. Yeah. And I think that'll, if that is pulled off as well as the OG Freddy versus Jason was pulled off, I think that's a very strong contender for maybe even movie of the year, man, because we've gotten some duds this year so far. I'm kind of, I'm kind of looking, yeah, cause I'm looking forward to kind of uh, Ash being kind of the levity of the two. I think just you have, well, I mean, because Freddy's funny, but I think you have Jason just be over the top brutal in this movie. If it comes out, you just have him be. Freddy is witty one-liners. Jason is silent. Yeah. It's like Jay and Silent Bob, right? But then when you get, um, evil, you know, uh, Ash in this, it's yeah. gonna be nonstop like craziness. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to him kind of poking holes at the thing and kind of be like. Whatever. You know what I mean? And, and kind of like being us in that respect. Like, this is ridiculous. Why the, how the fuck did I get involved in all this kind of a situation? I just want to see him whip out the boomstick because I don't I don't think either. Well, I think Jason's has seen some guns. I don't think Freddy's ever gotten shot before, has he? I don't think so. Yeah. I know I know they've tried to shoot Jason a couple times. But yeah. I think it'll be fun for him to whip out the shotgun and be like, this is my boomstick and yeah. blow them both away. I'm kinda, I kind of want Ash to be like, I thought we sent this guy into space. Like kind of a, kind like of a nod to Jason yeah. X. Yeah. God, that movie is so bad. Yeah, it's super bad. But yeah, um, so... We'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully that, uh, that turns into something after all. There's actually, I don't know if I brought this up. I think I might have, but there's actually a pretty good fan-made uh, Mike versus Jason film on uh, YouTube. I'll see if I could get that sent to you because it's actually, it's not bad. Copy that. It's Two pretty, silent killers, huh? Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, so we'll look we'll look into that. Like I, I think after the five-minute mark, I think stop, the talking cease, cease to exist and it's all just them. Which is cool with me. So all right. So uh, would you say it was worth the rewatch that hour thirty five it was worth? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, it's fun. It's a fun movie, and if once you kind of shut your brain off, you have fun with it's it. It's a good movie to coast with. It's yeah. nothing too crazy deep, but yeah. it's still substantial in its own rights. And honestly, I think if you're looking for something to laugh about in the early two thousands and maybe enjoy some blood and gore, yeah, like a brainless action horror comedy. I mean, give it give it a whirl, man. Think about Cause, that because it's not really a bad movie by any no. means. It it does its job. Because the job is to get Freddy and Jason against each other. And the plot is just circumstantial at that point. Honestly, know? I think once you get past the whole cheesy monster fight thing, I think it's very enjoyable. No, I, th- I think the monster fight's the draw. Once you get past the cheesy teenager bullshit like nobody cares about, then, <laughs> then you're in for some good shit. But yeah, overall, I enjoyed it. It's good. Fun. It's good, a good copy. It's a Check good out Freddy vs. Jason. It's actually up on Netflix right now in the yeah. U.S. Yes, sir. So moving along. So this is something that I'm interested in for sure, for sure. Because uh, obviously Netflix is just pumping out content. And I guess they're working on a Magic the Gathering Netflix series adaptation. And when you take uh, kind of the lore of Magic the Gathering, I think this leads to all kinds of kind of interesting potential moving forward. Uh, Magic the Gathering. You remember how that was uh, like originally marketed when it came out? Like, oh, you cast the spells. You're a planeswalker. Do you remember that? Yeah. Do you remember any of that? I remember that. 
I think that was like the initial draw to the kind of the younger crowd. Yeah. And uh, I totally agree with you. I think the like the whole planeswalker thing is so deeply interesting. Yeah, because they they gave us kind of the preset ones. They have uh, Jason, uh, uh, what's her name? Fuck, uh, Sandra the for the fire and um, oh my nature God. boy, the nature guy. Yeah, and like you know, they, they, there's planeswalkers that are kind of pre built into kind of the the archetype of the of the you know the deck. So uh, I'm looking forward to it because I'm a, I'm. A is player. it live action? I believe so. I believe it I is. I think. See, here's my thing, man. I think Magic the Gathering would do really well with like a, a rather serious animated thing. Yeah, I could see that. In my yeah. opinion, because I feel like if you try and do a live action Magic the Gathering, and you cut corners on anything, I think you're gonna have a bad time. That's true. I just I don't want them to. Uh, what's the word? Like kind of goosebumps it and saying, "Ooh, Magic is the real world now." I want them to kind of avoid that. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just I, want the story behind the planeswalkers. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't want them the to ex- explain to me that it's a game first. I don't I don't want that. So, all right, question. Do you think we're going to get uh the main character is going to be somebody outside or do you think main character is going to be Jace? I hope it's Jace cuz I think Jace is kind of the most interesting. He's, yeah. The most dynamic. He's also like the most promoted out of yeah, all of them the most recognizable i'd agree with that um i think that'd be interesting however for like an unbiased opinion you know it's just gonna have to be an outside party but yeah i guess we'll see man and i'm just looking forward to kind of seeing the elves and the dark elves and stuff like that i think that'd be kind of cool do you think they're gonna pay homage to a lot of these cards so a lot of the spells they cast you i think, think gonna be? I, I think you have to um I think immediately you make Black Lotus like the, the yeah I was gonna the, say the MacGuffin or whatever the the Holy Grail or yeah, whatever yeah of, of the whole thing everybody's looking for the Black Lotus or something like that and kind of poke fun at that but um yeah like I said I just I really don't want don't get me wrong I I enjoyed the Goosebumps movie but I don't want them to be like ooh we're in the real world now I don't want so Jack Black is Jace <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah man no really though uh, Magic the Gathering has taken itself pretty seriously in regards to its lore. Uh, yeah. It's gameplay, and you know, Magic is a product that's been relatively taken care of by Wizards of the Coast. And yeah. if they're involved in any way, shape, or form in this, I'm sure the movie will turn out at least semi decent. Yeah, I don't know who writes the lore for those things. I mean, you really don't have to, but uh, I'm sure they got a whole writing team at Wizards of the Coast. Honest yeah, to God. I'm sure they do. I'm but, sure they have a whole gameplay department where they're like, use these cards that we just wrote up and tell us if they're fucking broken. Well, I know for a fact that they have like former pros like look into it. Um, cause like they, obviously they don't like, okay, what do you think about this? Do you think it's overpowered? What are the, what's the possible exploits? What can happen? Cause obviously, you know, I think a lot of the guys who do draw, draw up the cards aren't, I don't want to say they're gameplay experts. I, I don't think they are. I think they kind of have these concepts that, and then at that point, then you they think they of, have picture ideas yeah. or card ideas and work around. Yeah. And, for, and they have the people who are like the guys inside kind of play. Were, were you ever that invested where? When a new card came out, you read the effect. You already knew like a handful of cards you could chain that off of. Were you ever that invested in a game? No, I wouldn't say I was never that hardcore. Like I would have an idea. I was more of the guy who would come across a card and be like, okay, how can I? And I would just dig through the cards I have. I'm like, how can I? I got you. You were the, the indie sand pit deck kind of guy where yeah. you had you had this one oddball card and you're like, let's make a deck around yeah, this. Yeah, let, let's see. And I would just kind of dig through stuff. I was at one point like that with Yu-Gi-Oh! where like a new set would come out and the sets would usually come out a week prior in Japan. And so mm-hmm. I'd shuffle through the entire set get the translations done and knew exactly what like group of cards I was going for in the new set. Yeah. And then I'd be like, okay, well I can use this card with one, two, three, and here's how it combos with these spell cards and this and that. And I was just so deeply like invested at one point that like, you know, you read me an effect and I, I'd be like, well, here's how you'd make a deck around that. Or here's yeah. like a bunch of support cards. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I mean, like I said, I was, I also like themed decks, like vampire decks and stuff like that. I was always like that. And it's funny. Cause I think it's, I don't know if it's a, um, like an intentional choice, but a lot of those uh, car- characters or who are the same kind of creature, they often blend well together. They work well together. Oh, absolutely. That's 110% intentional. Uh, yeah. So, um, 
obviously like the dark elves and they balance like, there's so, so much good stuff in there and you I, said my next deck is gonna look like the guys from him <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um it's good stuff, and uh, hopefully it turns out well. Uh, it's one of those franchises that I care about. I don't think I've been as excited for a Netflix property since Sabrina. So hopefully, yeah, man. I, th- ooh, oh man, we I got some ideas for Sabrina that maybe we could bring up in the next episode. But, okay, uh, yeah, man, should be good. Uh, we got any release date news, or is it still kind of in writing process? Uh, well, I, I, they haven't really talked about. It. All I know is that they're working on it. That's all I know. Right. Very now. cool. So, so we got some news for uh, the Black Widow standalone movie. Well, I guess it's um, I guess photos are the are the big picture. They have her kind of going into the woods as looking like Scarlet, looking like Black Widow. But to me, I mean, granted, Scarlet's kind of like you know she's kind of like a she stays off the internet. She's like totally pure. Yeah, I doubt it. Yeah, she's like totally pure from the internet. Like I don't blame her one bit, man. Yeah, the internet is, is bad sometimes. She, like she, some I we I saw an episode of her with uh, in Hot Ones, and she had to, somebody had to explain a meme to her, a meme to her. Wow, that's how like pure she is. Anyway, moving along. Um, so I guess like they had pictures of her with the red hair going into the woods. So um, that's kind of what, you know, I think everybody kind of knew it was kind of coming. But knowing what we know, um, I'm trying to see where it falls uh, in the whole thing. Because I don't know why I'm still trying to avoid the whole Avengers spoiler thing. Um, but, you know, knowing what we know, it's kind of hard to. Prequel, definitely. Probably, yeah. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I think, I think the whole Marvel scene is moving towards the... Uh, the women's side of yeah. the story because I mean so far you got Wonder Woman LG uh, yeah the one you got Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel which are kind of the forefront of these like women empowerment movies uh-huh. and uh, I think it's you know Black Widow's time to shine she's been there with the Avengers since day the whole one time yeah uh, so yeah I guess we'll have to wait and see uh, what that looks like moving forward but um speaking of wonder woman we got uh the yeah. 84 poster finally and uh, it is a phenomenal looking okay poster. yeah because you i know you stayed relatively quiet about it so i was kind of curious about your opinion i like it man i feel like these past five or so years i feel like we've gotten a lot of dark gritty bloody posters and this kind of like nuanced gothic style whatever yeah. right i'm not an art critique yeah critiquer but i feel like that's the trend we've been seeing and now we're seeing these things like the poster for Sorry to Bother You, which is like like royal purple and had all these like nice blues popping out. This Wonder Woman 84 is beautifully colorful. It's actually kind of reminiscent of like some of the earlier comics and shit. Yeah. I'm a sucker for like this nicely colored stuff. This is very tasteful. Yeah. It, it's it's kind of got that. Um, well, maybe because it's supposed to. It's kind of like an 80s neon kind of a kind of a look to it, which is like I said, it's Wonder Woman 84. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah. It's nice I, and proper. I like the fact that uh, I guess they're saying that. Her costumes kind of reflect the time period that she's in. I think that's kind of interesting because we haven't really had that yet in a in a hero. I mean, they kind of poked fun. The, the costume adapts yeah. to the director. I wouldn't say it adapts necessarily to the time period. The time period it's supposed to be in. I think um, the only one so far to kind of laugh at the time period that it's in is uh, Captain Marvel. But even then, like there was, she was outer space, so it's not like her outfit reflected the time period. So, I would even say that these suits are more adaptive to our time period that we're in. Yeah. Cause you look at the nineties Batman movies and you look at, you know, like mm-hmm. dark Knight and even the, the F the, the Batflack movies. Yeah. You see that it's kind of trying to be more modern, more sleek, more yeah. uh, tech savvy. Yeah. Of that nature. For sure. But so, that'll be interesting. You, you think she'll have those like fuzzy, like ankle warmer things. I hope so. I like I mean, her. I like Gal Gadot a lot. So yeah. I'll she's a phenomenal actress. That, she had the armor. She looked more armored. I don't know if that's the, the default look or that's something that they're hidden towards. 
in the in the movie eventually her getting super armored up like that so should we'll be see. fun uh you think wonder woman's gonna be the first i don't want to say fashion oriented superhero but maybe something we see more of a trend of where huh. you know like when you saw like nolan's dark knight you'd be like this is the bat suit and there were small changes throughout the three movies right yeah. but you think there's gonna be big massive kind of suit piece changes yeah between the time periods that she's in or the uh, movies I, I think know. that'd be pretty interesting, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it's not even... It, of course, it's an evolution of the character and the design and the progression and stuff, but I think it's interesting enough to the point where you can even consider each suit to have its own personality in line with the movie or the themes. Yeah, I, I haven't considered that, but I think that's something that's kind of interesting. I think of all... I mean, this is going to sound extremely sexist, but I think of all the heroes to kind of get that, it should be Wonder Woman, right? You would think that. Well, th- I wouldn't even say that's sexist. I think, I think ev- everybody right now... The guys at Marvel, the guys at DC, all the fans are like, Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman. Yeah. Whereas we had this talk with uh, Baffleck, with, uh, what's his name, Superman, Yeah. Henry Calville, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we're like, well, who's going to be the next Superman? Who's going to be the next Batman? Who's going to be the next Joker? This and that. You know, we're, we're always like kind of on the edge of our seats or on the tips of our toes, like, who's next? Who do you think would make a good Batman? We talked about Robert Pattinson two weeks ago, right? Who's confirmed, by the way. And here's my thing. With, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to get into that. Give him a chance. That's all I'm going to say. Well, that's, yeah, because basically everybody's like defending him. Like, first off, he hates Twilight more than the rest of us, which is funny because um, he made a shit ton of money, but he's like, oh my God, it's ruined my life, which I get. Um, so I give him credit for that. And people said the same thing about Heath Ledger's joke. I was just about to bring that up. Yeah. yeah. Give so, him a chance. You know, that, that's the least we can do. But back to this. Wonder Woman thing Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman yeah and I think as long as she's willing and wanting to do these Wonder Woman movies I don't think she's going anywhere she shouldn't she's fantastic first one out of the fucking ball I love it I loved it that's so good and you know there's not that like sense of doubt or that overcasting shadow on us as with most of these other DC superheroes and even some of the Marvel ones now that are we we're kind of I feel like we're just getting settled with Spider-Man you know and he's been around since 2002 at least in the big picture yeah so it's true there's that man she's gotten uh, because I think like you said, immediately when it happens, there's always that like, oh, is this the right choice? But once the movie happened, that was it. Like, there's nobody, yeah. nobody said anything about, oh, you know, she's not a well, no. this and that. No, no. If you had any problems with that movie, it was with the writing or directing. It yeah. was not with Gal Gadot. Yeah, and even um, like when she was in, you know, Batman versus, Super, she was kind of the bright spot of that fucking movie because it's like, she, wow, she was one of the highlights. Yeah. yeah, she was fucking cool. And I don't know, man, I fu- I fucking love her. She's great. So hopefully, she continues to pump these out and continues to be the centerpiece of kind of the DCU moving forward. Because, I mean, yeah, uh, she she is. Yeah, she, she should is, she, she should be unless um this new Joker movie paints him to be like the you know the villains gallery mascot, which it probably should yeah um you know i think it's a clear choice yeah so So we spoke briefly about spider-man let's move on to mr tom holland yeah so he is uh gonna be nathan drake well that that's what that's the rumor right now um yeah he's gonna be nathan drake nathan drake being from the uncharted series um a tremendously charismatic character um great one-liners um now i like tom holland i just don't know if this is a good choice right now hear me out I don't think it's his acting ability. I think it's his looks. For the looks, once. yeah. Because he you know, he's what nineteen, but he could. He no, looks, he's older than that. He's no. older than that, but he looks like he's like sixteen. Yeah, he, he does. He genuinely yeah. looks like a high school kid. Yeah, he does. And I like Tom Holland. He's a good guy. He's a great actor. But uh, Nathan's kind of worn, man. He's like a Nathan Drake is like a quality leather bag or a quality leather wallet. When you buy it, it's nice and new, but then you kind of beat on it for a couple months, and you get that those like nice little 
lines and that nice little like weathered effect where the edges are kind of gone. That's what Nathan Drake is to me. He's yeah. a nice leather wallet that's going to last you very many years. Yeah. You know, it's like a haircut. The, the you know, first time you wear it, you're like, okay. And then two weeks later, you're like, yeah, when it starts to kind of grow back. Yeah. That's when it looks best. Yeah. So, yeah, I 100% agree because I think even when you jump in on the first game, you've played through the Have you played through the Yes, Avengers? I have. All right. Um, when you, even when you jump in uh, on the very first game, you know that he's a guy who's been on a variety of adventures at that point. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, like they even kind of make the hints at it like, oh, man, you should like la- last time we did this or whatever. You know, that's part of the lore of him because you're like, wow, this is, we're just getting a small glimpse into his crazy life. Right. Um, like you said, Tom Holland, he's a good actor. I like him a lot. Uh, I think he's going to have a great future, but I'm not so sure right now that this is the best fit. Um, we could be wrong. I mean, it, it could be he could be playing a young Nate Drake who's getting on his first adventure. Then that would make more sense. Yeah, that would make more sense. So I think if they're not doing that, the only other way to kind of get around this is to just apply some makeup because, yeah. you know, makeup would do the job. I, I think it would be a disservice to Tom Holland. We should enjoy him while he's young. Yeah. Younger, I should say. Yeah. So he's only 23. You know, he's younger than, than me. He's my so, age. Yeah, he's your age. So Damn, what am I doing? <laughs> Dude, I, well, I, start, I started to get that when baseball players started to become my age and younger. I'm like, oh, man, what the fuck? Like, it's like a large majority of the White Sox are younger than me right now. Yeah. I'm like, fuck. Anyway, um, so... I guess we'll wait and see. I, I'm not. I'm not bashing it because, like I said, there, there's a, a variety varieties they can take because they've had they have had young Nate Drake in, in the games. Absolutely. So um, maybe they're playing along with that. I, don't know. I like I said, man, acting abilities there, the wittiness, the cleverness, yeah. the, the sassiness of Tom Holland and Nate Drake are like yeah. on par. It's just got to be the looks. They're gonna have to do something. Yeah. So maybe the voice a little bit got to change that up a little bit. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, other than that, man, uh, we'll see what happens. I Good guess. stuff. So you, sir, saw a movie today. I did. Uh, what did you see? Well, it was a toss-up. Uh, it was either going to be Godzilla, which is the one I was leaning towards, mm-hmm. and then uh, Dark Phoenix, which my wife was like, we got to see it, right? So it was really based on time. I'm like, oh, my sister came over. It's like, well, let's leave now, and we'll see what we can see. So and you said Dark Phoenix. I saw Dark Phoenix. What would you think? Um, Mixed I, bag? I think, to me, because uh, Dark Phoenix has done... Uh, Twice far- now? Not even just that, but as far as like box office has done the worst that any X-Men film has done, I, I think a lot of people share in the same sentiment that I have. It's not so much that it's a bad film. It's just that none of it fucking matters. None of it. So I, I told my wife going into it, I'm like, none of this is going to matter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whatever. We, whatever. This is the last Fox X-Men. Yes. Right? No matter what emotional weight they try to put onto it, I know none of it's going to matter. So... um. As far as a movie, the plot is uh, mediocre at best, um, which I think has been a problem with like, a decent amount of the X-Men's is that some of them are kind of a mixed bag. There's some been really, some really, really good X-Men's. Days of Future Past comes to mind. Uh, Most for, of Age of Apocalypse. Well, a good chunk of Age of Apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, First Class was good. You yes, know what I mean? Absolutely. So, um, but this one, like some of Logan. the- even timeline wise, this shit doesn't make any fucking sense because it's supposed to be eight years after the events of- Age of Apocalypse, right? Mm-hmm. These kids haven't looked like they aged a day. So that's well, a problem. mutants, whatever. All right. Yeah, but come on now. Um, so there's that. Um, that's a, a, a decent problem for me. And I think, I don't know if what, what it is about X-Men, but especially the last couple, like you, ne- they never feel like they're connected. Loosely at best. Uh, you uh, mean the, the group's chemistry between each other like that? No, I just mean like... Of the movies as a whole? Well, yeah. Outside of like first class and... 
um, what's it called? Um, Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past. There's like no. You feel like they're like separate individual adventures as yeah. opposed to like a trilogy of movies. Yeah, there's no continuity uh, between one or the it's other. It's just the same characters, different scenario. Yeah, and um, as far as like some of the characters, and it's actually a pretty good segue. Like, it's just like poof, this character's here. No explanation why they're there. They're just here. You you know who they are, so we don't really have to explain it. So it's kind of lazy writing in that front because I'm not sure if, if Nightcrawler was in the other movie. I mean, he, I know he's been in X Men movies in the past, but I don't know if he's been in this chain of movies yet. He has, yes, he has. Was you sure? He was in Age of Apocalypse. He was one of the um, Harbingers, one of the Four Horsemen. Was he? Yeah. No, he wasn't. Well, he fought Angel, so he he was an X Men then. Because I remember him fighting Angel. Okay. Well, um, so yeah, it was. It's a it's a mixed bag, man. I mean, like, like Psylocke is non-existent and Jubilee is non-existent. And Fuck Jubilee. Yeah, worst X Men. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. And um, but with that being said, I mean, there, other than the plot issues, um, here's my thing. Okay, I spoke about this before. I'm going to bring it up again. Sure. Age of Apocalypse introduces to what should be the current face of the X Men, which includes Jean Grey, uh-huh. Cyclops, Nightcrawler, uh-huh. all these guys, right? Because Beast uh-huh. has been around, Professor X has been around, and we mm-hmm. know them. We care for them because they were done well, and we, you know, they've had time to grow on us, mm-hmm. like a nice tumor, right? <laughs> but what happens when a tumor grows too fast? Then doctors start to get worried, right? <laughs> and then you start seeing specialists. I feel like the last movie didn't even set this up correctly for no. me. And Age of Apocalypse rushed in all these characters, and they rushed in all this development. And I really do think that we should have gotten Mr. Sinister be at least, at least, at the very minimum. Because that way, you could see Cyclops grow from becoming the quiet shy guy into becoming the leader of the fucking X-Men. Yeah. And that's part... I love Cyclops. He's one of my favorite superheroes ever. I think he's phenomenal because he's more human than X-Men at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. that's what makes him so damn relatable. Yeah. You know, he makes mistakes, this and that. But I feel like those... The, the, the people who should be the face of the X-Men, right? They weren't given enough time. Yeah. And that's kind of my first issue with this. And second of all, why are we... What's the thing with making Dark Phoenix the third movie? This is the second time we've done it. And I don't think it was done any better. No, it was not. And at all. I, man, I, I love the X Men. It's easily Did one of my this? favorite series. No, I didn't see it. Okay, I, it's easily one of my favorite comic series, right? But it's just been treated so disrespectfully. Like, okay, we finally got Spider Man down, right? Yeah. I, I would say you even got it down with Spider Man too. I think everybody was locked and loaded at the first. I mean, because Adrian just went through. It, I'm like, the first one's okay. I'm like, the second one's fantastic. The second one's really good. And the it's third one of my favorite superhero movies the, of all time. One, just, it was a it was a, a Marvel. Yeah. Not even not even a play on words. It was a Marvel at the time for yeah, 2002. It was, it was really good. And Willem Dafoe and everybody in that movie was phenomenal, right? Yeah. Um, so we got back to what I was saying. We got Spider Man locked and loaded. That's set up. We're good. We got like this current or future wave really of the Avengers kind of set up. We mm-hmm. know might get two or more characters along the way into yeah. the mix. Yep. But then we got this Fox side of the franchise, which is like the ugly mutant bastard. Because Fantastic Four, look at it. Woo! Yeah, don't look at it. Turn yeah. around, turn around. It's going to burn your eyes out. And then you've got an X-Men. People care about the X-Men. At least some of us do still, right? Yeah. And we've proven that this franchise is very capable of success. Yes. Because what were the X-Men in the 70s? It was a sign from Stan Lee to everybody out there saying that it's okay to not be normal. It was a sign for gay rights, for human rights, for all this political movement stuff. And I feel like now is the ideal time for the X-Men to rise and shine, right? With all the shit that's going on in the U.S., even in the world, right? I feel like the X-Men could be making the most powerful statement in the Marvel Universe about our political climate, about our global climate, about this and that, and all this shit going on. But they're not. 
Yep. And I'm not even saying your movie has to be political because at the end of the day, X-Men is a superhero movie, whatever way you frame it or set it up, right? Yep. But we're not even doing that correctly. We're not even taking proper steps to ensure that at bare minimum, this is a good superhero movie, which I feel like this is this should be your first stepping stone today's day and age because it's, I mean, look at me, right? If you hit all the ticks in my little boxes for a standard superhero movie, you're getting at least a C, and that's still passing. Yeah. That's still passing, man. Think about that. You know, superhero movies, like I said, back in 2002, you were either on top of the world or you were filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy Yeah, or with Peter Francis Dracy, right? Yeah. <laughs> and um, I people, don't know, man. I'm just kind of disappointed. People outside of Chicago. Yeah. yeah. That joke. <laughs> people outside of Chicago are going to be like, who? Yeah. But, but like, you feel me? I feel like there's so much just potential in the X-Men, and especially now where all these issues are more prevalent than ever and it's being, like, flushed down the toilet. Yeah. And it's kind of upsetting because look at look at First Class, phenomenal fucking movie, resurrected the X-Men, took him out of the grave yeah. and reconstructed it better than ever. Million dollar baby style, right? Yep. Look at Days of Future Past, very good follow-up. It, yeah. it was not a super faithful adaptation, but that's one of those movies that proves that, hey, it's an adaptation. It doesn't have to be Perfect. you know word for word from yeah. the book. Yeah. And that proved that. Age of Apocalypse, okay. Okay, there was a lot of issues I had with that movie. I think it did an okay job at it. Yeah. And now we're going to dive headfirst into arguably the most important X-Men storyline in its franchise. Definitely yeah. up there. Number one or number two, at least, right? Yeah. And done poorly. Not the first time around, the second time around. Yeah. Look at Logan. Uh, Old Man Logan came out, um, was it 2012, 2011 maybe? Mm -hmm. I know I was a teenager. You were probably a teenager too when that came mm -hmm. out. And everybody was like, wow, what the fuck? Wow, you know, this is it? Yeah. And then, boom, they came out with Logan the movie, which brought my girlfriend to tears in theaters. And she has never, I think that was her first X-Men movie that she's That's seen. That's weird. <laughs> and, and it brought her to tears. Yeah. Because they make you care about Wolverine. Uh, X-23 is fucking phenomenal. That actress is going to go places in the yes. future. The yes, story was great. The screenplay was awesome. The direction of the movie, the way it was shot, all these things came in together to, to form the perfect kind of experience and that's what a movie should be whether or not you've seen x-men prior or any like superhero movie prior to this you should be able to get like this kind of global human feeling out of it because at the baseline that's what movies should be tugging at mm -hmm. and x-men is not yeah and that's my fucking five minute rant <laughs> yeah, on, no shit on x-men dude so, um so yeah i mean there's a lot of issues with it okay um now what it did well was the action set pieces because of course it fucking did it. it's an x-men movie right so the action set pieces were fucking dope and this is another thing i think that because a lot of these movies are kind of a hey, hey, quick question you think fox was like hey fuck it just give them the budget you know disney's gonna yeah. reimburse us that's probably what it is yeah um and like some of the storylines along the way have been really good like magneto's whole story arc was fucking fantastic from, from start to, to finish yeah from stop to vision was fucking fantastic uh charles had a good had a good story you know what i mean like there's some good in there but overall it's a fucking mess and the villain i don't give a fuck about like i don't give a fuck about the villain at all like who the fuck are you i mean i, I i'm not as educated on the x-men as i am about other heroes so i could be like lost but i have no idea who the villain was i don't know if they're important they look like the fucking alien from signs like it's it's bad it's bad we need to get joss whedon <laughs> on board with this x-men stuff yeah because if anybody it's going to be him or favreau that bring this franchise back on track yeah and now that they're under the wing of disney yeah it, it's a possibility yeah i told adrian i'm like they missed the opportunity to be fucking thanos snapped at the end everybody should have been thanos snapped all right man uh, <laughs> i think i think just to kind of roll this up in a big fat x-men joint i think 
I like the casting choices. Yeah. I think all the actors and actresses are really solid choices. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Sophie a, that's, Turner's a phenomenal. That's Jean another. Grey. That's another bummer about the whole thing is like the casting is really good. It's just the fucking writing can't pull it together. Ugh. Yes. So, I I'm curious to see what Disney's going to try and do with this, and I'm actually kind of more optimistic now that Disney has the wing because when something has that Disney label slapped on it, uh, you know it's going to be at least a quality movie. Yeah, for sure. And so I guess. We're going to have to wait and see what happens to the future of X-Men under the wing of Disney. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I, I would, it's like a. W- one more kind of side little okay. bit. Because um, we are still kind of waiting, uh, you know, whole Fantastic Four thing's kind of up in the air. And I know, I know, we laugh and stuff. <laughs> I think if it's done right, and I think they give us a good Fantastic Four reboot. Re-reboot. Re-reboot, right? Like it's quality and like it's actually a good movie, I think. The next big thing we could possibly see is Fantastic Four and X Men crossovers. Get that whole multi-movie universe going, but with two franchises that have been dragging the mud for all these years. Yeah, and I think that's a solid possibility. Imagine Doctor Doom fighting the X Men. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Imagine uh, Magneto fighting fucking the Human Torch. Well, right now is the. I, I think with the route they're going to go with is kind of the same route that they went with Spider-Man about it, where it's just like, well, you know what happened. <laughs> Here they are. You know what happened. You know we're we're going to enter that, uh, that gray zone right now where we don't hear from my other franchises for a couple of years. Yeah. Until we get a solid, you know, we grip the bull by the horns and then we steer it. Well, with that being said, I know the Avengers kind of had a, had a thing that they could kind of dive deeper in to kind of explain where the mutants came from. Uh, in, in the new movie, so good copy. Well, yeah. uh, we'll keep you all posted. Thank you for that review, Jake. No problem. Uh, even though I you I took kinda, over, yeah, it's fine. I mean, I I, you know me. I like the X Men. Yeah, I know. So uh, let's dive into games. What? So uh, yeah, gaming, gaming. This, this is you. So uh, Destiny has gone free to play at least the base game. Uh, we've spoken about this before. Destiny two had kind of a bad launch, and you know, whatever. That's their issues. If you bought the game, you know, you could let us know more of it. But uh, they've <laughs> taken the free to play approach. Yeah. And we've mentioned this before, but like I feel like companies think that this is like a belly up approach where you're done so. I think this is actually a very good thing for Destiny because I've always been curious enough to maybe give it a try, yeah. but I haven't been the $30 curious enough. You know what I'm saying? Where it looks like it'd be a fun game and maybe I can spend some time on it, but I'm not spending $30 on it. Yeah, that the <laughs> the Destiny as a whole is just gameplay wise, it feels great, but everything else is just fuck it, fuck you. Right. I think this is <laughs> I think this is actually a, like a quality move. Yeah. Because I feel like we're not the, like the odd two out. I think that a lot of these people were in that mindset that said, "Let's wait, let's wait for reviews. Let's see how it came out. Reviews came out. It was bad, bad on launch, this and that." And now that they've kind of fixed some of the issues and now that they've this and that and it's free to play, I think they're going to attract the larger player base. And I think if you I think a lot of these people are going to genuinely like Destiny and enjoy its gameplay, maybe even buy the rest of the game. I think it's a good move. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's the right choice. I think uh, I think it may be a little too late because now Destiny has this kind of fucking stain on them. But I give them credit, uh, Bungie credit for jumping off Activision and saying, well, fuck you, we're taking this somewhere else where we can fucking flourish and be make a good game because you know Bungie knows how to make a good game. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think that so. out of everything they could have done, this is the smartest thing. Yeah, I probably had to And it's, uh, you know what? Maybe I'll give it a boot. We'll see. And maybe we'll we can see. get a Destiny 2 review going. Ooh. See? See what I mean? Boom. There you go. Thank you, Bungie, for uh, doing this. And uh, if it's any good, we'll, we'll chat. Yeah. So, uh, 15 years ago, yeah. there was a game that dropped on the PlayStation 2, and it was 
man, what would you even call this? Fucking uh, propaganda, like 50s propaganda, except you're on the other side. You're one of the fucking aliens from Roswell. Yeah. So uh, this is a game that was very fun when it came out. It was ridiculously fun. Super fun. Kind of uh, intuitive in it, its own way. It had two of them, right? There was two yeah, of them. Yeah, Destroy All Humans. It had, uh, it had two of them. Yeah, Destroy All Humans is back as a remake. You so, want to hear something funny? What's that? We were in the car the other week, me and my buddies, and we were talking about, hey, what game do you think needs a reboot? And I was like, what about Destroy All Humans? Do you guys remember that game? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And then like a week later, uh, you send the thing. And I was like, ah, ha, ha. Yeah. A fortune teller. So yeah, Destroy All Humans is back, and it's going to get a remake. Now, it's funny because I think a lot of times when remakes come up, you and I are very uh, mixed apprehensive. Ba- yeah, mixed bag about it because we're like, well, hopefully it's good. But... I think this is the first time that a remake has came out or has been announced that I'm like, absolutely, it needs one. I think, I this, think this is the first remake that we're both on board for. Yeah, 100%. Because, um, A, it, like I said, it's been a while. So, you know. We've gotten 15 years to miss it. Yeah, it, it's been a while. Uh, it was a relatively successful game that did well. Uh, the concept was absolutely fantastic. And I think it's time. I the think, humor was great. The gameplay was yeah. fun. The set pieces were gorgeous. Yeah. And... Um, it's funny because, like I said, it just it just feels like a, a good time for it. It feels right, and I hope that it's successful, and I hope that it just kind of revitalizes the whole franchise. And like, you know what? Let's just fucking let's just keep going. And and here's the here's like the beauty of it, right? I think that as as long as they fix kind of some of the bugs, with, especially with some of the gravity guns and shit like that, yeah, and they obviously redo all the skins and make it look nice and modern and stuff like that, but keep all the core fundamental stuff there. I think it's going to fly off the shelves Yeah, because that's all they need to do. This isn't a game that was like centered around microtransactions or infinite DLCs. Mm -hmm. This was a complete package that you got in 2004 and it was a fun fucking game. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's the perfect game to remaster because it's not, I don't think anybody views it as a classic per se, but it has nostalgic value to it. And it's like, well, if we get a little bit creative, nobody's going to get upset. Because you, you can only get so creative until people start pissing that it's different. Absolutely. So I think it's the perfect game because nobody's going to be like, well, I remember it. If you take two lefts here, then there's – no, you're not going to have that problem, right? So I'm sure there's like a super cult following for this game somewhere. But, you know, the vast majority of people aren't going to say, oh, yeah, that's a classic. It has nostalgic value, which is why they brought it back. I think it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it, and hopefully Absolutely. Get your probes ready because uh, Destroy All Humans is coming back, and I'm excited. You know what's another game that they can do from the same era? Beautiful Joe. Hello. I didn't know you were a fan of Beautiful oh, Joe. Oh, yeah. Duh. Good. Fantastic. Copy. But, yeah. So, Sir. yeah, that's, that's good. I'm looking forward to so it. So, along with some of the better stuff that we got from the conference this weekend, <laughs> uh, there are also some downers. Let's talk about Google. Uh, I, I have to look at this name. It's Stadia. Stadia. So, what would you think of the conference? Uh, I think it's incredibly funny to me that a company like Google, who has you know more money than God, is putting all these resources and all this time into developing a console, right? And in that conference, instead of announcing brand new IPs, they talk about games that have been out for a year already that nobody gives a fuck about. If you want people to get excited for your new platform or whatever, you talk about something new. They talk, They showed Division. They showed FIFA. They showed the same shit that everybody showed a year ago. And it's no, it's not exciting at all. You, you know, it's kind of funny because Google stepped into the phone game, and I think um, this like mid-tier phone under five hundred bucks thing is phenomenal. I think it's going to blow away the market. And I said last week that I think a lot like Apple and Samsung are going to be doing like mid-priced, mid-range priced phones, like best bang for your buck kind of shit. Yeah. And all the thousand dollar stuff is going to be like the you know the hardcore purist. Yeah. Um, I think they did a really good job infiltrating that market. Yeah. 
but it's kind of funny how they can't even get their foot in the door between you know console pc and just anywhere in there because i i feel like everybody i talk to is just so like stadia is gonna flop yeah if i understand this correctly and correct me on this because i didn't watch the full conference you it's a streaming as a service which i already am 110 percent against right but you pay the monthly fee and on top of that you have to purchase the game yep so uh, logically if we think about this right let's say you purchase the game on stadia mm-hmm. that means that every month you have to keep paying your your service bill your re-upping. service fee yep. re-upping so if at any point you decide that hey i don't want to pay my monthly you, you get rid games. of it you cancel it and then out of the blue you want to play the game now yeah. so you're gonna have to re-sign up yeah you lose the game imagine how fucking stupid that is well i think what what they're hiding behind is the fact that the entry is the entry point is low because, what is it, five bucks a month? No, well, not just that. I'm talking about the fact that you don't have to pay $500 for a console. They're hiding behind, like, oh, I think with the remote and, like, the first, like, two months or three months, whatever the fuck of service is, like, 120 bucks or something like that. So, like, the entry point's low. That's what they're hiding behind. But what people don't or what they seem to not understand is that in the long run, if you have loyal customers, they're going to be paying more than they will pay for a console. And I think that's a problem. I, okay, let, let's just let's just play some numbers, right? I built your computer for under $350. Yep. Um, and that thing will last you a couple years without doing anything major to it. Yeah. Right? So you have, and this is a multifunctional thing. This isn't just for gaming or just for podcasting. Yeah. This is a very good utility computer. Yeah. Whereas Stadia is just a game streaming service, right? Correct. And I get it. The entry point is low, but at some point you got to say, well, hey, does this justify me spending X amount uh, over X, Y years? Or do I just buckle down and pay the upfront cost of buying a pc and just doing whatever the fuck i want yeah i think i think it'll be nice for maybe a budget gamer that doesn't want to commit to anything somebody that moves frequently somebody that maybe can't take a pc with them or this and that whatever i think it'll be nice for maybe like a 13 year old kid who could just stream whatever game he wants yeah but then you still have the game price your monthly up cost uh you know most 13 year olds don't have a credit card right I mean, like, I think if they are able to take advantage of the fact that they're not using physical physical medium and they could keep get these games for the load, then I think then they're onto something. But I don't know, man, because it's it's all about the developer. There's no like incentive as to why you should lean towards Stadia right now. Yeah, I think if there was more of a hey, uh, you know, you buy the Stadia for one hundred twenty dollars, you get your two months covered, and then you get to pick a free game out of this library. Yeah, I think people would be more enticed because you're really at the end of the day paying maybe 60 bucks and the other 60 is for the quote unquote game yeah. as for the promotion. And I think that's maybe when we'll see it start to shine because Google does have really good promotions from time to time. Yeah. And um, I don't know, man, I, I don't have faith in this product. I don't think a lot of people will, but maybe it'll shine. We've been surprised before. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the, the marketplace is crowded and I don't think they're going to find a foothold. Yeah. Especially with like, I feel like all the consoles are killing it right now. Switch yeah. the bone, the fucking PlayStation and obviously all the PC stuff, but it's it's kind of like where does this fall in the market? That's my big question. Yeah, and that's a problem because if you can't find a place, then you don't you. If you can't find a place to stand, you ain't standing there. If the we the way. as the conscientious consumer can't place it, then we kind of have an issue. Yeah. All right, let's talk Battalion. So this is a game that came out. It is on Steam right now for fifteen bucks. Uh, I have not played it, however, I have seen gameplay of it. I think it is coming to consoles relatively soon. It was a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, essentially, what it is is that if you take Call of Duty two. And it has a baby with the big red one. Yeah, if it takes it has a baby with Counter Strike, then this is what you get. Okay, okay. it is a um, 
It, feel, it looks and feels like Call of Duty, but it has a game mode or like a centralized centralized on a game mode that is more counter strike than anything else. Cool. You get a token, and then every round you get to buy a, a weapon or whatever the fuck, right? Uh, it looks good. I mean, it's not going to blow you away graphically, mm-hmm. but gameplay-wise, I could see why it's addicting. Now, I am seeing a lot of people on YouTube and stuff like that who are like, yeah, this game's a lot of fun, and it's bang for your buck, and it's created by people who care about the game and who love the game, right? Um, and like I said, I'm going to wait for it to come on console, uh, and I'm going to give it a whirl because I'm interested in it. And uh, it's obviously set in World War II, and I think it looks fun. And Good stuff. Uh, yeah. And, um, yeah, like, I just like the feel of it. Um, and apparently it's very, um, I don't want to say realistic cause that's not the word, but, uh, like it values headshots and stuff like that. And those things are important in this type of th- type of situation and all that good stuff. And they don't have any stupid customizable skins or fucking stupid dances or nothing like that. It's you and your weapon for this round and, uh, who see who has better tactics. Cool. And I like it. And it, it looks like a lot of fun. So, um, I don't know if that's something that you want to keep your eye on. Um, cause like I said, I think it's 15 bucks right now on steam. So yeah, I'll give it a looky look. Maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll cop. Yeah. 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 Let me know how that goes. Cause, uh, is there a cross play for it? I don't know. I don't know about mm, that. If yeah. there is, then that's seriously a bang for your buck. Yeah. So I, I don't know about that, but right now from what I see is right now that it, from what I was told that it started off like player base at four, 4,000 people. And it's like slowly been going up. And I think that's a good sign. For a, like a game like this, because usually like there's the initial hype and then it dies. This seems to be having an upward trajectory. A slow and steady trajectory. Yeah. And uh, there's always a place for a game like that. There's always a place for games like that. So hopefully it's a success and uh, they're able to bring it to console. So I get my ha- fucking hands on it. Damn it. But uh, yeah. So that's why I just wanted to talk about I wanted to give them a little bit of love because like I said, the gameplay did look like a lot of fun. Good copy. So, Let me know how it goes when you I, uh, finally buckle down. I will. All right, man. So e three's coming up. e three's this week. And I want your opinion or uh, your thoughts. And uh, is there anything out there that you are particularly hyped for for this year's E3? I don't think so. Nothing at all? Not like, like oh, my God, I need to see this. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of going to take this year conference by conference and wait. Yeah, because I know some of these, uh, these, these bigger companies have started to roll some stuff out. Uh, I know EA had their thing. Uh, they had the whole pre-3. Yeah. Like with a couple of the games and companies. Yeah. So the, these things are starting to roll out. Uh, news is starting to come out. As far as things that I'm hyped about, uh, Cyberpunk, I think it's going to be interesting. Last of Us 2. Well, I don't know if they're going to even talk about it because Sony's not there. Is that a Sony exclusive thing or is Naughty Dog going to have their own booth? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, if The Last of Us comes out, then that's something <laughs> that changed the game. But um, yeah, there's a lot of like mid-level games that I'm looking forward to right now. So um like I said, that that's being one of them. Uh, the fallen, the fallen order looks pretty good. What was your opinion on that? Uh, the gameplay looks really cool. I think the graphics are a bit cartoony in the same way that I thought the MK11 graphics are a bit cartoony, and I do think it's uh, partially because of the lighting. Um, the gameplay looks solid. I'm gonna. I know this is like an early alpha and stuff, but I'm optimistic about it. It looks fun. The skill point thing is interesting, mm-hmm. and I'm just gonna wait for more, man. That's all we can do at this point. Yeah. No pre-orders yet, but hopefully, like end of july early august we get some more more meat and potatoes out of it yes sir um and like i said I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of these smaller kind of studios and seeing what they have to offer uh because obviously with uh you know with P- with sony being out it's going to give these other guys kind of an opportunity to have that that place and see what they can do so um yeah man i you guys i'm sure if something blows us away you'll hear about it next week on the pod but uh if you're out there 
uh, let us know what you're hyped about at E3 this year. I, I want you guys' opinion. And I want to be turned on to some games because, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to this year kind of blind relatively to other years. I don't know. Is that, uh, do you feel that sentiment too or no? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, going in a little bit blind. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. And like I said, if you got anything out there that you guys want to know about or um, – you, you want to, have to check about. out by all means yeah, yeah. go ahead and uh, shoot the shoot us a message so i toss this game on here because next week i will not be on the podcast i will be on vacation this is my one vacation day a year jacob allows me <laughs> um no i'm kidding but uh, i will be in the angriest city in the world lancaster pennsylvania where sure uh august burns red is from of course and we're trying to catch them we'll they're, see what happens they're just angry because they don't have electricity they're just angry because there's nothing to do, and this yeah. town is so washed up. Uh, <laughs> wrong band. Whoops. Uh, yeah. Uh, where's I going with this? Oh, so next week is Father's Day next Sunday, for those of you who don't remember. Uh, you're welcome. So I just <laughs> wanted to pay a little kind of a little tribute to our dads, man. So sure. I, I tossed this game on here called What Did You Get From Your Dad? And what personality traits, physical traits, what did you get from your dad? Well, I think I got my eyebrows from my dad. My eyebrows naturally arc. My daughter has that too. Nice. Uh, so they look like the, kind of this resting, constantly angry face. I don't know if that's a me thing or whatever. But uh, so I got that. Uh, my dad's sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad is the type of guy to make jokes at inappropriate times and to make this stupid face after he delivers that joke. So I think I should add a little bit. Um, what else did I get from my dad? I think this would be a good conversation point with my mom. Maybe I'll, I'm going to bring my dad on next week. Nice. That's what I'm doing. Um so there's that. I don't know. Um, I know that just kind of our overall personalities are relatively similar. I get a lot of that. I got gotcha. you. Uh, um, but as far as like personality traits, it's kind of hard to pinpoint because it's I, I'm not the one that observes these things. Other people are the ones that observe these things. So, um, but yeah, I think that's kind of a good overview of what I got from my dad. Um, I think we have the same kind of work ethic. Uh, me and my dad are, have similar trajectories in our careers, and not so much that we're doing the same thing. But my dad started in retail when he was 18, or maybe younger, 16, 17, and he's been doing it his whole life. I started doing my job when I was 18, and I've been stuck doing it. So I think we're going to have kind of the same kind of drive to get the job done and motivation uh, to you know continue to provide for our families. I think I get that from him too. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of what I got. What do you got? What do I got? Uh, well, first and foremost, my father and I have the very same wicked sense of humor where we find like these strange obtuse things to be like grossly hilarious. And like, <laughs> and, like he, the thing about my dad is that he'll say like the most sexually explicit gross jokes like right in front of my mom in front of the dinner table when everybody's fucking present. And granted, <laughs> I'm not like that, but I'll still be laughing my fucking ass <laughs> off, you know. Um, I think my dad always had this mentality of if you don't know how to do something, go out and learn it. Uh-huh. And I feel like that definitely kind of I picked that up over the years, you know, I was um, a bit lazier in my youth, let's say. Uh-huh. But I feel like now that I'm trying to do more and kind of kickstart things, whether it be a small personal project or something big grand skill. You know, uh, I, th- I feel like I'm always kind of working on something kind of like my dad is. He always had a couple projects lined up, whether that be, oh, well, let's, you know, fix some of the light switches or let's do this or maybe let's do that. He always kind of had something lined up and he was always working towards it in one capacity or another. And I find myself in the same kind of realm of thought where at any given point you ask me what projects I'm working on. I could probably rattle off three or four things for you right now. Okay. Um, what projects you working on? I well, I'm currently still building my own keyboard. I need to fix some of the key switches because when you tap on it, nothing registers. Mm-hmm. I have to do that. I'm working on a cup holder for like my vape stuff in the car, and I need to fix those measurements, this and that, and obviously improving the home theater. I need some poster frames. You know, just <laughs> yeah. I, what you know, these aren't like some crazy grand scale projects or anything but like something. that. But it's yeah. something to work on, you know, and it's something to to strive towards. And then, of course, I gotta like thank my dad for that early kind of guidance in the musical taste thing because 
you know, Lord knows we could have ended up any which way, but we we may be hardcore kids today, but we'll always and forever appreciate the greats like Floyd, Beatles, Queen, uh, Skinner, all those guys. And I feel like that's something that both our dad gave us is that early kind of guidance where, you know, maybe we discovered a band or this and that. You know, when I was, if you asked me when I was like nine or 10, like what kind of music you like, I'd be like, I don't fucking know what, what's on right now, you know? And then came that time where you had feelings and opinions about stuff and I feel like my dad really guided me towards the right direction he was like hey look into this band tell me what you think or like hey what do you think about this song you know I really like it this and that and I feel like that formed kind of my basis on how I review albums and how I think about stuff and how everything ties back in together and it was from that simple early stuff when I was you know 11 or 12 years Mm -hmm. old when he was like hey you know here's a CD check it out let me know what you think interesting okay cool yeah um I have, I don't know, because I don't want to get it too deep, but I think my dad is extremely guarded with his feelings sometimes. I think I get I think that. most dads are, man. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I, like I said, I've only had one dad, so I only have, you know, I only have one, one person to reference with. But, um, yeah, he's always kind of really guarded about his feelings. He's not, at least not to me. I mean, I, again, I, I was talking to my one of my best friends last night, um, and uh, her and I were talking about it. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't need to sound mean to sound like, oh, my dad didn't love me because my dad did love us. He loved us 100. percent And I never felt like my dad didn't. But with my sisters, he was able to express himself a certain way. And with me, he never had really did that. I don't know. When, when is the last time you told your dad you love him? When you had your kid? When you got married? Before that? Probably when the son was born. Probably. I, dude, it's probably been like a decade for me. Yeah. I, I think the father-son bond is Changes, strong. Yeah. But I also do believe that both sides can be reserved at times. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I think there's that immediate kind of uh, afraid to feel like less of a man, especially with your dad, because you don't, you know, you don't want to disappoint. your. Yeah, dad. you don't want to disappoint your dad. And uh, well, well, like, think about this. Like, when's the last time you told your mom you love her? Shit. I don't know. A while too. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's a me thing, though. Like, I, again, I, I can't. I don't know. Cause I feel you. There's a part of me and. um and I was telling, like, again, another thing. I feel I was talking with my friend, my friend last night. I'm like, there's a, a thing about my personality that I always feel the need to be the reality check. Because like when my sisters, like they were, they were my sis, Jade was spoiled. Lexi was the baby. You know, they always got what they wanted, and I, I, I did too. Don't get me wrong. Were you I'm the like, first one? What? Uh, firstborn? No, I'm the, I'm the middle. Second. Yeah, I'm the middle child. So Jade was firstborn. I'm in the middle, and uh, I always felt the need to be the reality check to always be blunt. And, um, I, like I said, I, and I'm like, it's not just them too. I'm like, Adriana can relate. I'm like, you her, she can relate. I'm sure you probably can relate to a certain point too, where there's just a way about my delivery where I'm incredibly blunt about things sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and I don't know what that is, but I, I don't know how we get on this, but, um, so it's just to me, my dad's the same way. My dad will tell you how it is. And, um, no matter what. And my dad was always very honest with us. I think to a fault. To, to some, t- you know, sometimes when my parents were getting divorced, my dad was incredibly honest about what was going on. And I think he even admit that, you know, he's like, maybe I shouldn't have got you guys involved like that. Maybe I should have let you guys be, be kids for a while and kind of be dumb to the whole situation. But with that, I mean, I, I kind of came with um, learning. I, I learned the world that through that, because my dad was always honest with me. And even when shit was like hitting the fan, like when nine 11 happened, my dad was very honest about what was happening. Like he never tried to can it. He didn't dumb it down. He explained to us what happened um, and that type of stuff. And I don't know. I, that's something that I definitely want to re- relay to Alessana. But with my opinion 
um, often becomes kind of brash. I'm very brash about my opinion sometimes. I think I want Elisana to grow up and be a little bit more diplomatic <laughs> about how the way she presents her opinion. You want to be real with her, but at the same time, you want to treat her like a Disney princess. Yeah. 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 There's, there's stuff to that. I don't know, man. I mean, my, my dad did a great job. And I'm sure your, your dad did a great job because... I mean, I don't mean to get mushy on you, but you're a great man. You're one of my favorite uh-huh. people, my favorite people on the planet. <laughs> Thank so, you, sir. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of proud to what you've become. So, um, I'm you've sure you've always been like a second dad to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause I was actually explaining to my friend. I'm like, yeah, Gabe. She's like, who is this? Cause a, a long story, but my, me and my friend have been on and off for since we were kids uh-huh. and not like dating, but like we're a friendship that was on and off because there's just other life. Things, yeah. Other things that go on that we haven't really, um, you know, had the chance to, be, be be there for each other all the time. But I was explaining her to you and she's like, uh, she's like, who's that again? I'm like, Oh, he's my co-host of my podcast. I'm like, he's like my, my son. He's like my, you know, he's like, uh, um, <laughs> Padawan. Yeah. He's the, my, he's like my, he's my star project. He's my number one student. And she's like, will he say that? Like, as like a, being sarcastic, I'm like, yeah, he will. Absolutely. Yeah. He hundred percent will. Um, so, um, Oh, what's the score? No, no, no. The Sox won. Uh, GameSpot just hit me up. Ooh, breaking news. GameSpot just hit me up. Microsoft reveals next-gen Xbox console Project Scarlet at E3 2019. Very cool. So anyway, um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's weird. Good stuff. And this got a little bit too, uh, <laughs> a little too sourdoughy. I don't know. I ain't got no food <laughs> reference this time. But, uh, you know, whatever flavor or texture your father came in, with Father's Day coming up, let them know you appreciate him. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, sometimes relationships are strained. Sometimes you fall out. Like my dad, uh, he recently started this in his old age. He, when something is brought up and, for, for you know, when a new topic is brought up, he'll be like, oh, cool. And then the next time the topic is brought up, he's suddenly an expert. But the reality is he doesn't know fucking shit about that topic. You get that from him, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you get that from him. Like what? <laughs> When you're like, I don't know, you we would talk about something. You're like, oh yeah, you would just say shit. I'm like, that's not right at all. And I'm well, like, well, if we're talking about technical stuff, I do my research. No, you're right about part. that. But like, so some things when you say about movies and music, especially with dates, you're like oh, so bad with dates. Sometimes. Oh, dude, I'm bad with dates and names. You know this. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm just like, that's not even close. But I want okay. to be a history major. I'm glad that never <laughs> happened. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, whatever flavor, texture, or character your dad came in, let him know you appreciate him because Father's Day is coming up. Yeah. Did you get your dad anything? No. I got my dad. My dad's a real big sucker for graphic tees, so I got him two graphic tees, and I got him a whiskey glass with his first initial and last name engraved on it. And he fucking loved it. My dad is like, uh, "Yo, give me a gift card because I need to buy shoes." Like that's that's my that's my dad. <laughs> oh, that's I think goofy. we've I think we've gotten him shoe carnival gift cards for like the last three years in a row. Good. Copy so yeah, like uh, kind of you know, hopping off what you say, you know, you know, some dads come in different shapes. My dad's like a cactus because he's a real prick. Moving along. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, let's talk some music stuff. So we got kind of a stacked music. Yeah, thing. I am gonna with reviews, baby. I'm gonna leave retro review for last. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna hop right into this. So, have you seen this? The I have misery not. Misery evolving. I saw it on YouTube. You like I saw the thumbnail. Yeah, but I did not dig into it. So as I lay dying, dropped a little 15ish minute documentary about the whole Tim Lambesis thing. Okay. And I was kind of we were still at work, so I pulled it up, watched it, and I was kind of expecting this like I don't know maybe cheesy apologist um, apologist kind of yeah. like you know when YouTubers make apologies when they did something bad but yep. they're like sorry they got caught and not actually sorry yeah no you're I back. watched yeah. this and Thanks. it so it starts off with Tim and his side of the story and um <laughs> so I tried to kill my wife man it was crazy no 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 it, it, it's not like that he okay. does not make excuses he does not fuck around okay he admits who he was and he admits his wrongdoings and he stated how 
during his time in jail, he went through some serious mental rehabilitation. <laughs> and yeah. so now he yeah. does a lot of like yeah, it's a outreach weird. programs and he tells his story. And I know like we're laughing about this, but it felt really genuine. No, right? I was going to say, that's a weird way to say butt fucking. <laughs> but keep going. Sorry. Right. So he did this whole spiel and then it got everybody from the band involved. Okay. So it kind of did a little overview of like, hey, what did you do in the five years? You know, two of the guys opened up a bar. This guy did this. This guy did that. Did they start a new band? Yeah. A couple of them were a new band. And, um, they they talk about this whole as I lay dying relationship and how it started off as this kind of weird passion project between they 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 stated that this band was never born out of friendship you know it was kind of we all came here to do a job we all came here to shred and it took a couple years for the band to get its footing but when they did everybody was equal parts dedicated and motivated to work towards this kind of goal that they all had in mind of being a really gnarly heavy band right okay and I thought that was a very interesting point because I feel like it's totally the opposite if you look like a at a band like Sum 41, you know, that fan, that band was born out of friendship and they, you know, maintain that today. But it talked about how, like, a lot of these guys, like, interpersonal relationships with one another became really strained before even the whole, like, the, before the whole incident, right? How, like, Tim at one point, uh, one of the guys was talking about he had, like, this unwavering dedication and towards the band. And then when the band started finally making it and, they, you know, the fruits of the labor were being sown... Um, Tim started focusing a lot of that on himself and he started lifting weights and this and that. And he became really like arrogant, headstrong, massive ego type of shit. And that really started fucking around with the band. So a lot of these guys would spend their time separately when they weren't on stage. But, you know, when everybody got up there, they they were there to do the job and do it well. Hmm. And I think it was a really interesting perspective. So here's kind of what I got out of it, right? It's a phenomenal little documentary. It's like I said, it's 15 minutes. Gorgeously shot. Fucking beautiful, beautiful drone captures. Really nice shadowing on a lot of these like uh, band members and the way they talk to the camera. It all feels really good and natural and organic in the the screenplay guys, right? Cool. But I am totally convinced that Tim has full regret for what he's done. And I think he's become a different man. And, you know, that's, that's just my view of things. But when you have guys that you've known for like, you know, 12 years plus... And they say that, like, this isn't Tim or this isn't what Tim used to be. And they say there's a big point in this little documentary that they go out and say that they didn't want to be part of As I Lay Dying anymore. The guitarist was fucking torn apart when he found this out. He was like he was in shock. You know, he spent two years doing whatever the fuck it was just to not think about this and to not, you know, like to not deal with this trauma. And the whole thing with As I Lay Dying was they're not getting back together. Even if he gets out of jail, they're all upset that he got out early, which I don't blame him for. Right. But they said that there was no thought about it. And then Tim reached out to him one by one and they said, you got to prove it to us. You got to prove that you're not an asshole, that you're not the Tim Lambeas as we know. Mm -hmm. And I, I think this did it for me. I think we can't excuse what he's done and by no means should you, but I think we should kind of welcome them back. Even if it is with a cold shoulder. If yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I I'd mean, watch it and, and, you know, maybe, maybe let me know what you think. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, uh, I like how they just were bl- very blunt about the relationship. Like we weren't really friends. We were like, Hey, we basically, that's brutally honest. Yeah. That's, that's, that's fair. Cause Metallica was like that. Like they didn't start. I think they're still like that. Well, no, I mean like they're, they're friends now, but like at first like, well, I had it added a newspaper. He had it as a new paper. Like maybe we should talk. And they were like, it was like a business relationship almost at first. And then eventually you became friends. But I think that's interesting. I don't know, man. Uh, it's kind of hard to, like you said, it's kind of hard to remove that. No, but by uh, no means should you excuse it. But yeah. like I said, I uh, 
I was even kind of apprehensive about watching this. I was like, I don't want to see Tim be like, oh, make excuses. I'm sorry. Yeah. But uh, no, I, it was real genuine. It was good. And I, I think it was brutally honest. And I think that's what we needed to see from Tim and As I Lay Dying as a band. And I think if you haven't seen it, you should give it a watch because it's short. It's quick, but it'll get the point across. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe I'll dig into that. So it's that. called uh, As I Lay Dying Misery Evolving. It's actually pretty good. So, um, I don't know, man. That was just kind of my opinion on it. Interesting. Good stuff. So, let's talk after the burial. So, I dug uh, dug into this album about halfway through the week and um, trying to formulate my, formulate my opinions because sometimes I feel like my reviews are just like, well, that was good. Right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, now, with that being said, eh, this album's good. It's a good album. It, it, it's good stuff. I mean, the guitar work's phenomenal. It's after the burial, so you know, you know, it's at the very least, it's going to be fucking heavy and brutal. It has its moments. It definitely has some of its higher moments. Now, I will say, there's the opening track, "Behold the Crown," that has this most annoying guitar part in the history of annoying ass guitar parts, and they lean on it too much. I think if they, um, if they did it like sparingly, it would be like, okay, that's kind of a cool little, cool little thing. But they get to a point where it's just like, okay, we get it, we get it, stop it. And uh, that's like the first track. But other than that, I, I didn't really come across anything else that was like super annoying and off-putting. Overall, it's a good heavy-ass album. If you're looking for some good heavy-ass albums to jam to, to get you into the summer, it's a good place to start. After the Burial is always a good place to start. Now, I know for you, you always say they're too genty. Well, here's my thing, right? I feel one way about a band when I listen to them on an album, but I could possibly feel a totally different way when I see them live. After the Burial was one of those bands where uh, I was kind of like, eh, too much you know, I like a little bit of gent. I like gent sprinkled on. I don't like gent coated ice cream, if that makes sense, you mm-hmm. know? And then I saw them at Warp Tour. We caught them. And I was like, hey, yeah, this is pretty solid. And I, I think that little level of showmanship and artistry adds to the overall feel of them. Yeah. And I think for bands like Ice Nine Kills, right? Granted, we have our reservations about the last album, but I think that when you listen to, you know, Friday the 13th or I can't remember their song. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday and uh, American Nightmare. After seeing them live, I think that song's even better after you've seen it live. Yeah. And I think it adds to the experience, you know, like, I don't know, Devil Wears Prada, Every Time I Die. All these guys do such a good job on a live stage that you bring that home with you and then you apply that like mental imprint that, yeah. onto the song. I think That's it's the fair. beauty of it. And I think After the Burial was one of those bands where I was like, yeah. And then look at like Veil of Maya, which was totally opposite for me. I thought their album stuff was all right. I didn't love it. But then I saw them live. I just couldn't do it, man. I don't know what it was. I don't think they're bad showmen. I don't think they're bad artists. I just could not. I got you. you Absolutely. Know? So like, it's, a, it's like I said, if you're looking for a good a good banger of an album, it's a good place to start. I like them. Uh, they're they, never one they of, don't have a bad discography. They yeah. don't have a bad album, I should say. There was always one of those bands that I was like, oh, man, they're good. But I never get dug too deeply. And this album's kind of more of the same. If, you like, if, you, if you're an After the Burial fan, you're going to love it. If you're not into them and they were never into them and uh, you're thinking this album's going to change your mind, it won't. Because it's kind of a, a solid, another really solid After the Burial album. And like you said, I, I've seen them live. They're really good. And I enjoy them. So uh, I like them. Uh, overall, well, how are we doing my albums again? <laughs> albums are 1 to 10. One movies to ten. are 8 to F. I have to fucking do that. I have to. Re- we we got to have like a little whiteboard here. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a... I was going to say C, but I feel like that means I don't like it. It's a B. It's a B. It's a B. It's a B minus. 1 to 10, buddy. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like a 6 or 7. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, seven. I think seven. I think your statement is fair. After the burial has a very, uh, their sonic fingerprint is very unique uh-huh. in a sense where they blend a lot of 
flavors together and you know it's after the burial yeah um that being said i don't think it's a bad album to bump while you wait for something else yeah because it is fun it is heavy it's got chugs it's got riffs it's got breakdowns yeah it's got everything you'd want out of out of an after the burial album checks all the boxes and i think at the very least you should give it a listen through when uh just kind of in the background you know when you're doing something yeah maybe you'll learn to like it yep so yeah that, there's that and it was good moving along good stuff so we actually have if i count correctly this is one two Three, four album reviews this week. Yes. Okay, so <laughs> this was one of those albums we were looking forward to that dropped on Friday, June 7th by a band that I think both of us genuinely like on whatever level you think that may be. Yeah. And of course, we're talking about Upon a Burning Bodies, most recently released their sixth studio album called Southern Hostility. Um, let me pull up my notes because when I do oh. album reviews, I like to take notes. I like to write down my thoughts because I think I'm a better writer than I am a speaker sometimes. Uh, okay. You, you want me to start this off? Do you want me to just plow through my review and then we could chat about this? Well, uh, I'll say I, I find it, I give you credit for writing notes because I could not find a single sure. interesting thing to say about this album. All right. Yeah, I'll get started then. So, uh, <laughs> so Texas Deathcore powerhouse cranks out another album, another mean album with some thick riffs, guttural screams and tracks that bring out the Texas heat tracks like King of diamonds burn and the champ is coming are easily going to be crowd favorites. And it'll make sure that circle pick gets going. Okay. That being said, a part of burning body is not a stranger to the scene. They've been doing this for 10 years, and this is their sixth studio album release. This by no means is a bad core album, but I do believe that this is a very dull Upon a Burning Body album. All tracks feel like they share the exact same personality. The album shows no signs of the Vato flair or the new deathcore inspiration. It just walks that fine middle line. Some of you are going to like it, and some of you are going to hate it. Personally, I think Upon a Burning Body took their great Texas deathcore sound and turned it into Texas plain toast. My grade, six. Yeah, man. I mean, here's my thing. Uh, they've been kind of gimmicky. You know, yes yeah, and no. But yeah, they've no. turned that yeah. gimmick and they turned it into a centerpiece. Well, with those early albums, you had the like the whole naming Release, after a yeah. director, right? With the last one straight from the body, you had that Vato metal, that Vato flare I mentioned, right? And I, I discovered Upon a Burning Body when they came out. And the reason I liked them so much was, yeah, they were heavy. Yeah, they had thick riffs. But I feel like they always kind of pushed the envelope of what you could do on a Deathcore album. Mm-hmm. Whether that be with the heaviness, whether that be with the creativity, mm-hmm. whether that be with the like the straight mariachi shit you got out of them sometimes. <laughs> you know, it was beautiful. It was yeah, wonderful. You're right. And it was a pleasant experience. And you knew they were from San Antonio because you'd fucking hear it. San Antonio. Yeah, they were screaming at you constantly. I, um, <laughs> But they always kind of push the envelope about how much personality a deathcore album can have. I agree. Because um, not everybody does that. Deathcore is one of those where you can check the boxes and it'll be very passable. And sometimes it'll be very good, right? We yeah. reviewed deathcore albums that, you know, if you translate it into a metalcore album, it would be like a D. But it's just one of those genres. And Upon a Burning Body has been interesting. They've been intuitive and they've brought new stuff to the table with all of their albums. And I feel like what this album feels like to me is that they're trying to open up for five finger death punch <laughs> honest to god and i'm just kind of upset you know it's funny because we talk about oh man yeah you know they've been a little gimmicky but it's funny because the first album that removes the gimmick is not interesting well let's think about that <laughs> you remove the gimmick are they interesting no well like i said man you they had this uniquely interesting south like so, like texas is south 
style. That's, that's my one. That, that's that's my one. But uh, but like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, like when you think Texas deathcore, no other band should come to your mind except upon a burning body. Yeah. And then immediately Danny Leal's voice should be in the back of your head it screaming. Is, yeah. And he doesn't he doesn't even fucking mention Texas once. I tweeted about this the other day and nobody said nothing to me. I said, "Is this really a, an Upon a Burning Body album if they don't mention Texas on it?" It's I don't know, man. I am I'm, I'm disappointed, honestly. I'm just saying. And uh I, I listened to this album on my way on my way to work and I was like, "It's not a bad album, but it is a bad Upon a Burning Body album." Uh it it listen, to reiterate what you said checks those boxes and it calls it a fucking day because those earlier ones yeah they checked them boxes but then they came up with another six or seven checklists and they're like let's hit all these I th- I, but again I, i'm gonna reiterate yeah go for it they removed the gimmick and they're not interesting i don't know man i, th- I think they could have done it without the gimmick i don't think can they because they, they have yet to prove that <laughs> <laughs> that's a true statement yeah but i feel like the vato flare wasn't necessarily a gimmick i feel like those i feel like if we drank with those guys that's who they'd be it doesn't feel like they're acting or this or that i feel like they were just incorporating that southern sound into their music more you know what i'm saying it doesn't feel fake it's not like a gimmick like ice nine kills is like oh we're halloween like like you're not a <laughs> halloween spencer you like halloween you're trying to channel halloween you know yeah it feels like if we sat down and tossed back some models with danny leal he'd call us a bitch i'm pretty sure i did one day <laughs> <laughs> but but like you feel me this is them at least that's what i got from straight from the body i don't know man uh i like it's funny i don't know man because i like them a lot but this one is just it's a downer it's, it's their first bad mark in their discography which is a real shame that's so uninspired i don't know but i'm telling you I mean, that when i finished the album i was like wow they're trying to get into that like barbecue dead rock metal yeah that five finger death punch that i could see that uh what's the like the guilt switch know, engage just yeah. to say it just say it damn it yeah guilt switch engage <laughs> and i feel like they're trying to appeal to that market yeah and maybe I'll, they're trying to broaden out i'm leaning more of a five on this one this is uh i think that's a fair statement five six Mm-mm. um like I said, it's not necessarily a bad album because no, like, it is heavy. It's definitely it's definitely no track where I'm just like, holy shit, this is trash. But it's just like, it, but there's also no track where you genuinely like. It's so quickly faded to the background. It's just like because, like I said, I often grade music based on how how well it keeps my attention, and if I find myself focusing on other things while I'm listening to it, then I don't like it or it's not as good as I want it to be. And this was one that was like immediately like background noise for me. And yeah. I listened to it once and I will probably not bump it again. At least, at least not all the way through. There may be a and, track every now and then you're like, Oh, okay. and that's unfortunate because I find myself going back to their older stuff pretty frequently. Yeah, me too. That first dirty, grimy, disgusting production, Deathcore album. And then like red, white, and green straight from the body. like, you know, I feel like we, we hold their discography in such high regard and we each appreciate different things from each album because there's a lot to open and unpackage. And then we got this. Yeah. And I'm sorry, man. It's just not going to fly. I agree. And it was kind of unfortunate. So I I listened to this next one. So before uh, Gabe gets into he's talking about Motionless and White, it's called Disguise, right? Yeah, Disguise. Uh, now, I will admit two things. A, I didn't listen to this album. And B, mm-hmm. I think I have... But maybe like two albums ago, I have officially hopped off the Motionless and White train. So. Sure, nothing wrong with that. Because it's so, and it's such a heartbreaking thing. Because I was so on board, especially for those first two albums. I was so on board, and now I'm just I I could care less. Sure, absolutely. Um, so I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I thought Creatures was phenomenal, and I thought the next album and a couple of the singles after that were pretty solid. What was the name of the next album? 
I, I know he's looking in the mirror. I think it's infamous. Is infamous it? Here. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. I, I remember the pictures better than the titles. I, yeah. I was trying to prove a point there. <laughs> but uh, what am I getting at here? So I, I did this review because, like I said earlier, um, or like way earlier, I said I do reviews under two conditions. The first condition being that I genuinely like it and I think it should get out there. Or two, that it's kind of a bigger release, and whether it's good or bad, I'm going to give my honest opinion on it. That is the latter, yes. So, yeah, this Motionless and White one kind of falls into this category. So let, let me let me talk about some of these notes. So uh, motionless, white, motionless in White has been on an interesting path the last two albums, and with the skies, it's even harder to tell where they're going to be in the future sonically. This album features songs that are 2010 metalcore gold with Undead Ahead 2, tracks with clear new metal influences, and a track that sounds like it could have came out of Breaking Benjamin's, uh, out of Breaking Benjamin, uh, which is another life. A few things that are certain with Motionless and White, and those are being big booming choruses yeah. and anti-establishment and plenty of angst. Yeah. This album has something for each Motionless and White fan, all the way from Creatures era to the Graveyard Shift era, each song being more sonically different than the last. That being said, this album feels very disjointed. The only thing a majority of these songs share is the production. I think that this album is a fun revisit and has a fun tribute to everything that Motionless has been and is currently, but you can't expect to take a few puzzle pieces from a few different sets and expect to make something coherent. Uh, That's take a that great analogy, Gabe. Take that statement as you please. Here are some of the standout tracks I found enjoyable. Uh, number one, Undead Ahead 2. I think it's a proper good sequel to the original, and it feels like Motionless and White Metalcore Monster Mash. Say that five times real quick. Modern Metalcore Monster Mash. Motionless Modern metal. Metalcore Monster Mash. Four M's. Uh, another one, Another Life, which at some points during the courses, you could have told me it was Diary of a Jane B-Sides, and I would have totally fucking believed you. It's a good track, though. I really enjoy that, and well, I feel like it was a tribute to Benjamin. Well, we, 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 we unpacked that last week after the pod. There's like three songs that are sh- like the choruses are straight up Breaking Ben. Right, right, right. But this doesn't feel like it was ripped off. It feels like a tribute. Same diff. <laughs> Whatever. Take it as you will. Uh, that being said, 6.5. Like I said, there's there's at least a track in here that you'll like, and I think it'll be Undead Ahead 2 and probably Another Life because I was on that boat where one of these things feels like a freak disco show, and I think those are the lyrics for it too, right? <laughs> but I, I, you know, my thing, our thing really, is that the album is, should be a vision. Yeah. Your album should be coherent. I'm not saying it has to have sick transitions between everything. I'm not saying it has to be a full-blown experience like Dark Side of the Moon where everything blends in beautifully. But it should have one or two themes, maybe some overarching thing you're trying to get across. Uh, sonically, it should be similar. Yeah. Um, take take albums that we love. When the End Began, Silent Planet. Uh, there is a Hell. Uh, fucking Alisana, right? Do You take a lot of these albums and you see why we graded them the way we do and you see why these are critically fucking acclaimed albums because mm. they're all on the same boat. All these songs are on the same boat. They're yeah. going to the same fucking place. Like I said with this Motionless and White album, it's it's cute. It's fun. It's good to see where they've been and where they are now. You know, it's like a if you would have told me that this is like a like a compendium, like an anthology, I'd have been like, all right, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it that's what it feels like, and that's not a good thing for an album. The brand new album. For an yeah. individual album that's supposed to have its own personality and flair. Yeah. So you might enjoy it more by dissecting it as opposed to listening to it in its completion. Yeah. And I feel like I was trying to come up with some sort of analogy because I like analogies and I feel like that puzzle one, yeah, that's a good one. <clears throat> really kind of nailed it on the head where, yeah, it'll be fun to look at, you know, if you took puzzle pieces from a few different sets, it'll be fun to mm. see what fits, what doesn't. But 
it doesn't make a picture at the end. I, I agree. And um, I thought the disguise was a reference because I thought they were going to continue to disguise themselves as Marilyn Manson, but I guess not. I, I don't think they have that, that Manson sound. I think they've departed from that uh, to an extent, and I think they've gone off the off the starboard fucking side of the boat. Because um, <laughs> that being said, I am I am a Manson fan. I, I do kind of recognize the sonic fingerprint. It's lingering at best, at best, really. Uh, definitely more with Graveyard Shift, and they kind of walked away from that. But uh, check out those two tracks, man. I think you'll genuinely enjoy those. We'll see, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. So is that that's your review? That's my parting bird body, motionless and white review. How do, how do you think those reviews were? Review my review. Your review, uh, seven. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> no, those are good. Yeah, those are good. I, I like 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 you said. I mean, I'm not saying that you're a bad speaker, but when you write stuff down, you definitely stay on the same train longer because you tend to have scattered brains sometimes. Where you're just like, yeah. oh, let's let's talk about pit bread, and then we get lost in the bread metaphor. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we, you know, we do that sometimes. We be yeah. real. But I, I went into these with honest, unbiased opinions. And it may seem like I was kind of disappointed in Upon a Burning Body because of what they were. But I feel like at the same time, that's what we should grade them because they set the standard on their own albums. We don't. True. This is true. And um, I don't know, man. Check those out. Let us know what you think. <laughs> Upon a Burning Body didn't retweet me with the whole Texas thing, which I was kind of disappointed in. <laughs> Whatever. We got one more review. This is number four. And this is a retro review that I brought up last week. Yes. So the album is The Brighter View by To The Brighter View, right? Did I get that right? Yeah, The Brighter View by but To The Wind. By To The Wind. Now, uh, this is a band that was around maybe three years ago, right? They were. They, they called it quits, I believe, in 2017. Yeah, and um, I seen them live. I saw them live with Vanna once. And um, let's go ahead and get into it. So I will unpack this first by saying that they are one of the very few examples of full on melodic. Hardcore that I absolutely adore from top to bottom. They don't have like the super screamy kind of vocals. They have more of that spoken word kind of a vibe. They which have uh, like if straight from the path and being as notion, like if you fuse the two vocal styles together. Yeah, that's pretty good. And um, I, I like that style of hardcore, which is why I like being as an ocean so much because that spoken word is so nice to me. And, the, you know, the lyrics are so well, beautifully put together. And I put on, I think I got maybe... Six tracks in, I'm like, yeah, I fucking like this, and I know what I'm talking about. So, um, and it's not to say that I'm like, oh, okay, turn off the rest of the album because it's bad. No, I like them, and they're a good band, and I'm sad that they're no longer with us. But, um, like I said, great melodic hardcore. And if you're looking for a melodic hardcore band to kind of be as your entry point because maybe you don't like all the crazy screaming, this is a good place to start. Absolutely. And um, I think that uh, with this, because I, like I said, I've seen them play live, and I got tremendously interested on what they were going to do moving forward. And uh, like I said, sad that they didn't, that really, really come to. Yeah. Like you know, that. sometimes life gets in the way. And I think like one or two of them had kids and they're pursuing like real careers and stuff. And yeah. it's unfortunate, but they did leave their lasting mark. And I think uh, when I was reviewing this album, I was like, man, what do I what do I like about this? And then I was like, what don't I like about this? And so I want to right kind of start off by saying that this album is it has literally everything I look for in, in like a good hardcore song. Except maybe the grimy, dirty breakdowns. They do have kind of somewhat of a breakdown, yeah. but it's not like full-blown, knocked loose in your face type of shit. But that's yeah. perfectly fine for the style they're doing. Absolutely. Um, I think, dude, I don't know, man. These lyrics shake me to the core. Like, yeah. honest to God. Like, I was listening to this shit. I was like, oh, fuck, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. And um, I think, I don't know, man. I, I like, you know, I like to dive deep and I like to make all these analogies, but I kind of find myself dumbstruck or like dumbfounded for words right now mm -hmm. and i feel like the best way i can really describe this album is that 
the instrumentality is phenomenal. They uh, they don't do any extremes. They're not super mellow. They're not super aggressive. But they walk that fine line of get you off your seat. But you know you're still gonna pick that dude up in the pit and maybe hug him afterwards. You know you're gonna yeah. feel some type of way. Sure. And the lyricist, I I feel like this album is a guy being brutally honest yeah. with himself. No, man. that's a fact. Yeah. It's I like. Agree. It's like an intervention almost, and I don't know what he was going through at the time, but I know there's a lot of shit in these, these fucking songs and stuff that it's, like. It's funny because I feel like, especially with like a lot of those more aggressive, angry, uh, hardcore bands, it's always about well, what the what the world is doing wrong and why the world sucks and why you're a victim of that. But with them, it's just like, well, I'm I'm as equally to blame oh, as man. That shit, of, that shit hit so close to home. Yeah, dude. I am as equally to blame as the rest of the world, and I'm just a piece of the a, a cog in the wheel, and we're just gonna keep on going and see what happens. So that's why I like about them because, like I said. It, because even like well like Vanna has their songs but there's some songs you're just like okay you know what I mean but uh, like but then there's songs like Digging and like I, th- I w- if you're a fan of Vanna's Digging you're gonna like you're gonna love this yeah stuff. you're gonna love this stuff because it's it's similar in in thought thought and you know sound it's kind of sound and you know I I like don't get me wrong I think a lot of the lyricists and vocalists and the writers for the metalcore hardcore community are phenomenal and I think a lot of them do get their point across but I think it's one thing for an album to make a point. Uh, you know, through the lyrics, through the instrumentality, through the album. Yeah. Uh, I think it's one thing to do that, but I think it's a completely different thing for an album to make me stop and rethink everything I'm doing. True. You know, like I feel like digging does that. Yeah. And I feel like you, you hit it home, man. If you like that song, you're going to love this album. Yeah. It's good stuff, man. And uh, like I said, glad, sad that they never got really, I don't know, how long, how many releases do they have? Is this the only three one? Three albums. They have three? Damn, I see that. Well, that's just. They maybe. were, I think it's t- 2012 or 13 to 2017. Yeah, man. I wish they would. Each each album only got better and better. Yeah, I wish they would have gave it a fair shake. But um, like I said, I saw them live. They were really, really good. They kind of blew me away because that like, I saw them on the bill with capsize and stuff like that, and that whole bill just fucking knocked, yeah. my, knocked my pants off. So uh, it's good stuff, man. And um, it, like you said, if if you're a fan of that that the more melodic stuff, you'll like it because it's not it's not overly abrasive, but it'll definitely get your blood moving, like your blood pumping. So. Um, <laughs> Good stuff, man. I'm I'm gonna miss them. I'm I like I didn't know they were not together, and then when I came across that post, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it hurt a little bit. But yeah, so that is our to the wind, uh, the brighter view. Now, real quick before we go, hold on, sorry, sorry. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and pick an album on air because Gabe didn't do that last week, I so had to think about it. He had to take it. Yeah, he had to think about it. I am going to go to the albums. I'm going to give it a little spin, and then we will come back and review that album. Let's think, because I'm trying to avoid stuff that. Okay, okay, we'll do this, because I don't know how I don't know how much you know about them, but we will do "Broken Frames" by I Set the Kill. Nice. Yeah, I don't know how much you know about it, but not enough. <laughs> I I know I have a, some strong opinions about this album, so that's what we'll do. We will do "Broken Frames" by I Set the Kill next week. Two weeks. At, Oh, yeah, two weeks. And, uh, yeah, I have a lot to say about it. Good stuff. <laughs> I am looking forward to it. I, I'm enjoying this. This, uh, you know, To the Wind wasn't a quote-unquote retro review because it was 2016, yeah. 17, something like that. But I feel like that album flew grossly under the radar. Absolutely. It was so hidden gem, man. Yeah, absolutely. And you come across those a lot, you know, and especially in this scene where you're just like, wow, that was really good. How did know, I miss this? Yeah, like Polaris, for you a couple years ago, you're just like, holy shit, that was really good. Knock, knock me loose. Uh, yeah. That's two. <laughs> ah, that's two. Yeah. So that's what we'll do next. Or not okay, next week. But that's what we'll do uh, when Gabe returns from his hiatus uh, from the pod. When, but- when I return from the uh, pilgrimage to the town of August. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. What, what did I say last year? I understand why they're so fucking mad. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. Other than that, that was episode one. What was it? One twenty one. One twenty one. One two one of the Second City Kids podcast. I'm going to go ahead and play the outro. And until, well, I'm going to be back next week probably with my dad. I'm going to try to get him here so bad. That's my part of my agenda. Uh, and then Gabe will be returning the following week. But until then, folks, deuces. Thank you guys for joining us this week on the Second City Kids podcast. You can like us on iTunes, Google, anywhere else podcasts are found. Any comments, questions, or concerns, you can email us at secondcitykids at gmail.com. Until next week, folks, deuces. Deuces.